Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's Mike Shope and the Bulldog. I grubhubbed one of the best sushi restaurants in Buffalo and had, they brought sushi to my son and I. It was great. At your house? Yeah. It was awesome. That. Listen to this. What and a And that's a very good thing to have delivered because... You know, hot is not really pertinent at all. Don't eat hot sushi. Right. Don't yeah, eat in it. fact, I think hot sushi would probably be Terrible. really gross. Don't do it. It's Mike Shope. Fresh hot in neon is not something you see above the sushi place. Can I get this? <laughs> no, that's right. Hot, fresh hot fresh sushi. Fresh and hot sushi. <laughs> <laughs> that is so gross. <laughs> fresh hot sushi here. You get some sushi, <laughs> you open the lid, and it's like steam comes out. <laughs> <laughs> and the bulldog. Please stop. Please. Right, Ryan? Hey. You ever do that? I've got nothing you get to the throw sushi. up in my stomach. You open up the lid and it's just sizzling like a fajita. <laughs> it's Mike show and the bulldog. <laughs> what are you doing in there? I'm microwaving the sushi. <laughs> right. WGR Sports Radio 550. Nice timing. Bought some sushi today. My daughter's into it. We like it. She loves it. So, uh, yeah, there's that update. Sushi which was purchased this morning. I did have... Mm, thinking. Thinking. Do I want to do... It's not that important. I did have a food thing. I just went to Baltimore on Friday. I was in the D.C. area with my son for a few days. And Baltimore is one of those cities where, okay, you have to get crab cakes. Like, that's how I look at it. Certain places, you know, Philly, some people are cheesesteaks, wings here... Baltimore crab cakes, like whatever we're doing, if we're eating there at all, that's part of the the plan. So we went to this lacrosse uh, factory for like an hour and a half. My son wanted to see it. It was really cool. It's called East Coast Dyes, and we took a tour and some nice people. We left, time to eat. They recommended a place down the road. We went to this place, and the whole point is crab cakes. My son, too. Like, that's what we're going to do. And it is what I did. But I have to tell you, so you're sitting there, the place is busy, and, you know, food is walking by, right? The servers are working and delivering to the tables and everything. And so you see, you know, normal restaurant experience, you see five or ten other menu options, like, go right by. Huh, maybe I would have wanted that, whatever. But I know, like, the whole point of this stop in Baltimore, is, or Towson, to be specific, is crab cakes. So um, that was what, what I ordered. And, you know, fine. No, no, no second guessing. Like, that's why we're here. It's going to be great. We're in Baltimore. It's going to be great. It was fine. But I have to tell you, crab cakes walking by, you know, so to speak, uh, shrimp and somebody had a roast beef sandwich, you know, a pizza, place like that. You see everything. A Reuben walked by. A guy comes by with a tray for the table behind me with the Reuben. And it was just like... I couldn't stop looking at it. (laughs) 
the, the room. I I need to sort of remember this and sort of uh, get to the point where no matter what city I'm in, the Reuben is a great choice. Even Buffalo, Baltimore, Philly, wherever. Like, don't sleep on the Reuben. Don't assume that the local thing that you're there for is necessarily going to make you happier than the Reuben. The best moment of that whole thing was looking at that sandwich. It looked perfect. The corned beef just right, the sauerkraut just right, that thin layer of Thousand Island dressing on top, the pumpernickel bread or whatever, marble rye bread, whatever it was that day. Reuben sandwich, there it is. I'm crossing it off my notes for today. It's been it's been mentioned. There, I got it in. That's how That really is how it works. I've got a list of things, and you just try to figure out, especially working alone, sometimes you have to sort of improvise. When am I going to say these things? All right, there. It was on the list for yesterday. Didn't get, didn't make the cut. Got stuck in the green room. Today, we're not going to make them wait. Wow, what a start. Busy with guests today. I count four. Before the pregame show, Trista Crick, usual on Tuesdays. We'll have Trista on 25 minutes. Carolina Panthers, Steve Reed from the AP. Sal at five. We'll talk about Leslie Frazier and other comments made by Brandon Bean. And I'm going to do that now that I'm done with that important section about the Reuben sandwich uh, very soon. And also we'll do a little bit on the Bears. We have a guest from Chicago named Zach Pearson. The Bears have the first overall pick in the draft, and that's pretty cool. I think most fans would agree, and I've said this many times. Houston had it and blew it by winning their last game in Indianapolis, and they did it in incredible fashion, the the, the kind of way that only a really terrible team could pull off when it needs to lose, which was they had like 4th and 17, last play of the game just about, down by 7, touchdown pass, go for 2 because why not, make the 2 and beat the Colts and therefore move up or move, yeah, we'll move down in the draft order to the number 2 pick. Indianapolis was the beneficiary moving to 4th, Chicago at 1, just a... Some years, you just know what's going to happen. We know how everybody wants quarterbacks, and there are a couple at least uh, to pick from this year. So Houston's going to do that. And the whole conversation at the top of the draft would only have been about which one. But this way, it's way better. You know, this is obvious. I don't want to sound like I've discovered something interesting here or that interesting. But Chicago has Justin Fields and the top pick. They could use the top pick on a quarterback. I think they should by the way, and try to trade Justin Fields, assuming that, and I want to, that at least one team in the league, and hopefully if you're looking to make a trade, it's more than one, would be really eager to make that move. Uh, So I don't think that's going to happen. doesn't sound like that's likely, but I just think, like, Fields, you know, fine. He, He hasn't gotten very far with their passing game, and some of that's on him and some of that's on... The circumstances, they don't have very many good receivers and coaching. There's already been a coaching change in his young career. I don't know what, they're re- what they really have to offer when it comes to that. But, I, you know, I, so I like them maybe a, a medium to a little bit above medium amount. Like, I think I'm on the plus side when it comes to Justin Fields. But really, like, in fantasy football, which this isn't, to me – like if you had contracts and everything like real football, the move would be like squarely to try to trade Justin Fields because of the two years you've lost on his deal. And he's got to get to a pretty good place by the end of year three 
for them to want to do the fifth-year option and really commit, because that's coming up pretty soon for Chicago. So in like in sort of a fantasy or on paper kind of concept, I think that's easy. Where it isn't is if you have sort of, um, you know, people are invested emotionally, like the fans and the time you've spent on them, you've gotten to a point where you wouldn't want to scrap it. And I just think with the Bears, they have kind of a unique opportunity where they don't really have that. Like they don't really have in two years much progress to show when it comes to fields. And so I think they sort of have the freedom, so to speak, to uh, to make that trade. Now, I don't know that I'm right and subjective anyway. I'm not in Chicago. But really, like they've won so few games that um, I think I think the move would be to trade them. And really, other people might look at that and say, well, they have to have somebody they really like. And I don't really care about that. <laughs> Team, teams fixate on that sort of thing, and they advertise that sort of, oh, this was the guy on our board, you know. Well, he was supposed to go in the third round. Well, he was our number one. You know, you just it's an eye roll to me. Because one of those two, three, four quarterbacks at the top of this draft would probably be good enough compared with Justin Fields to justify it. Plus you get whatever you'd get in a trade. Like I, I think that is the move. But again, doesn't sound like who knows if it'll happen. It could still happen, but it doesn't sound like that's where we're headed. Well, a big kind of a I don't know, not a shocking story today, but certainly an important one with the announcement that Leslie Frazier won't be with the Bills coaching in 2023. First thing I want to do is sort of give you my little read on how Brandon Bean described it, which was not exactly he wants to take a year off. Now, it might be that that's all that this is. He wants to take a year off. But when Bean got the question about, you got a few, but the first question about Frazier he said he said he wasn't ready to retire, but he wanted to take a step back. And then Bean put it as, the way we left it was that he's going to take 2023 off. Like it was sort of a group, if, if anyone else was involved, I would assume Sean McDermott was in, involved in this, but at least it was Brandon Bean and Leslie Frazier trying to figure out how to accommodate Frazier without his wanting to retire. So maybe I'm reading too much into it, but Bean said he's not ready to retire, wanted to take a step back. There is a a fair chance uh, that there's something personal, I mean, there probably is something, but maybe something serious that's going on in Fraser's life or with his family or just what, I don't want to speculate at all on that. I just want to say, you know, if it is something like that, you know, we want to wish him well and his family well, I certainly do. I mean, Fraser has both been a very dignified figure here with the Bills over six years. And, you know, the fact that it's six years means that he's been, that's a pretty long stint for an assistant coach, especially for a coordinator. And the defense has ranked high the whole time. Like, he has been very successful. So he's been good, and he's carried himself in a you know pretty professional, dignified way. You want to like the guy. So just, you know. If there is something wrong in his personal life, I want to hope that that uh, gets better for him. If it's not, because it doesn't have to be, and people want to make changes, and as they get older, you know, just 
maybe take some time for themselves, whatever it is, he won't be with the Bills this year, and that's what you care about. And so what about it? Whether or not they replace him per se, a defensive coordinator is promoted or brought in, we'll see. It sounded today like at least don't assume that the Bills will do that. They have McDermott, and it might just be that he runs it to a greater extent than he already does or has. Like when, not like play to play or anything. Like I I have looked at it as, I guess I'm making somewhat of an assumption along the way generally with this, but like Frazier is calling the plays. It's he's in the, he's in the seat running the defense, but I have every, you know, every thought that McDermott is the, you know, the, overseer that he is I don't want to say architect because I'm sure Frazier's had plenty to say about how the bills you know how they line up and personnel decisions and things like that but there's no way Frazier might have even been hired in the first place if he didn't fit in to McDermott's vision here on defense so now it's an interesting point in time for the head coach because he you know if he brings somebody in now and it seems Credible. Whoever, if there is a new person that isn't McDermott in charge of the defense, then it's going to be like last year was with Ken Dorsey and how we sort of really analyze and, and scrutinize what kind of a job is being done there and whether the Bills seemingly made the right choice or the wrong choice. All of that will uh, be on the table this year if there is someone in that specific role, defensive coordinator. If not, and it becomes Sean McDermott's job, you know, the, the play calling, more of the, you know, the details, the the micro when it comes to defense. You know, either way, I guess, but especially then, it's an interesting year for him. And it was already because of how the Bills' seasons have ended the last three years. You know, you this, this is what happens, and everybody knows this. But you start at essentially the bottom, you know, it was kind of the the upper middle when it came to the Bills, but you had the playoff drought. And, you know, it was a team that kind of we just, we looked at and everybody looked at as just sort of ordinary, mediocre, and they got good. And McDermott was the leader and he got the credit and he deserved it. And they went from out of the playoffs for 17 years to in, and then two years after that to you know, another another playoff appearance a year after that AFC championship. You know, it's a pretty sharp ascent here under him. And, and but you had you had that loss, and maybe what well, doesn't matter. But whether that's sort of the peak or last year twenty one, I mean, before they lose the thirteen seconds game, or or this year, like it's kind of been whatever the peak was. You've just been at or near the top those three years. You lose the first one, hey, great season, nowhere to go but up. This is really all. Allen has made it. The coach is really good. There's every every reason to be optimistic. The second year, 21 now, I mean, of these three. So the second year of these three, 2021, you've got it. You've met, You've managed to take out Kansas City in their own stadium, and they blow it. And so that's unforgettable, I mean, a, just an all-time 
lost, and it, it's sort of baffling how it happened, but there was still, so last offseason now, we wondered every day and argued every day about how that game ended and just why, how and why the Bills ended up losing that day in Kansas City. But you still have a team that everybody's excited about. They're at the top all year, pretty much. They're the favorite, or just about the favorite, to win it all year, pretty much. And then this Bengal loss really did change the conversation sharply. And I I have used this one example to best illustrate that, and I think I may do this many times, depending on however long it's relevant. But the whole year, I mean, it was such a, a challenging year, a fun year, but we're nervous, you know, we compared it to the 07 Sabre season a lot, like, this, this has got to happen, <laughs> you know, this, it, it, so much pressure, if you will, or anxiety, and what the how the Bills were built, or anything like that, was just not in the discussion. It was, can they do it? Can they figure out a way to get home field, to beat Miami, as it turns out, New England at the end of the regular season, then Miami, and then the Bengals, and then Kansas City again. Like It was really day-to-day. Talking about this Bills team, plus with all the other, I mean, again, thinking about Hamlin and even the Blizzard, like it's not just, it's it's just trite to call them challenges. I mean, you had real-life adversity that uh, I don't consider lightly when, I, when I'm talking about this team in this season. So you had there was a lot. It was a lot of day-to-day news and discussion. Hardly ever, except for like a passing remark every once in a while about, it'd be nice if they had this other player on this team or if they had done this one thing. Really, it just came and went. What we're doing is we're thinking about this su- Sunday's game, you know, and can, can the Bills actually get there? That game against the Bengals, which was pretty much over – what, early fourth quarter, early to mid-fourth quarter, we're watching it and we know they're losing. And I'm on Twitter, I'm in this chair, in this room with the game on, and, you know, Twitter is so many things during a game. Um, But, you know, it's sort of like in the moment, and I remember seeing with a few minutes left, right toward the end of that loss when we knew it was happening, there was a tweet, and I don't remember who it's from, for it as... Well, as I remember it, I probably should know. It could have been several people, but we went from they're great, is this the year, everything just sort of hopeful and really, again, in the moment, really just in the present, wondering, watching, can they win, to as the game clock ticked down, hey, you guys realize they haven't drafted a Pro Bowler in three years? (laughs) It was just, oh, yeah, look at this. Like before the game was even over, right after it was over, whatever, it went from that crucible where you're just like, okay, can they stop Joe Burrow? You know, whatever the upcoming game was, just like the the, the details to, hmm, well, now what? And people already started talking like, well, they have to draft better because for all the credit they get and have gotten, their last Pro Bowler was Wyatt Teller, who didn't even make the Pro Bowl for them. It's the 18 draft. It's Allen and Edmonds. So, you you know, but you get the point. Like, in three years, there are reasons or excuses for that 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 are reasonable. Like, they didn't have a lot of holes for rookies to go in and play important roles. 
Uh, they tra- they traded the pick for Diggs instead of drafting maybe Jefferson, who probably goes to the Pro Bowl playing for the Bills himself if he'd been picked here. Whatever. Like, you, you can see certain excuses for it, but, like, that was how and when and abruptly the conversation changed. So this is all to set up. At different of these points, you've had some conversation about Sean McDermott and whether or not he is right for the job of getting the Bills to the top. Okay, you've won all these games. And look, if I need to tell you, or if you care, I have never even wanted to have these conversations because there's just no way, in my opinion, I guess there is a way, it's happened, but to me, it's ridiculous to think that McDermott should have been ousted at any point here, even like right after Cincinnati. Just, you don't do that. A good organization doesn't do that. It doesn't mean that eventually you won't get to a point where you really want to discuss it, and other people have gotten there, and I just haven't. But, you know, as the years go by, the Tony Dungy kind of thing, Andy Reid with the Eagles even, like if you fall short, you fall short, you fall short, eventually the noise gets louder. The the, the crowd gets louder and a little bit more rowdy. And it's just like this year sets up with the possibility that the Bills will not look as strong on paper anyway because of the cap and because of age, you know, and certain different roster challenges they face. But that and how these recent seasons have ended and the Bills now have a streak going of losing in the AFC playoffs that the the spotlight just grows brighter on him. Because eventually you do have that conversation. Is it Right now, or is it this offseason? In my opinion, no. And I'd be shocked if anybody at the Bills even brought it up. Like, if it even came up. To me, no, it's like the Weiner line. But in uh, another year, or another two, or another three, if this is still where we're at, then maybe. And if he is calling defensive plays, and he's not somebody you most people would just kind of see as oversight, um, check, you know, background, like... It's not like the head coach is the background, but timeouts and the kinds of things, game decisions, those kinds of things that a head coach is always responsible for. Now it's whether the Bills should blitz here, you know, th- things like that. Their their defensive execution has really faltered badly in these three playoff losses. And that reflects on McDermott. It certainly does on Frazier, and it's why when the season ended, there was, to me, like it sounded like plenty of, you know, not outrage exactly, but opposition toward Frazier. I, I know Bulldog has spoken like that many times. He's off this week, but, you know, he'll have an interesting reaction to this because he wanted it. He wanted the Bills to move on from Leslie Frazier, and here in a different way, they're going to have moved on from him, at least for this year. We'll talk about that some more through the day. I mentioned Sal Capaccio, same as yesterday, 5 Eastern. Next, though, Trista Crick, BetMGM. We'll talk to Trista. We've got a couple other guests as well, as I mentioned, and the Sabres. Pre-game at 6.30 for the Sabres and the NHL's worst team, Columbus. Downtown, home game. Mike Shope here. Thanks for listening. This is WGR. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.